This is Catholic Daily Brief. Episode 28. What is freedom? There was a term that characterized our age. It would probably be freedom or rights. These are words used by everyone across the spectrum, no matter what your political stance. If you're religious or irreligious, everyone understands that freedom is important. Everyone says you should have the freedom to do this or that, or that you even have a right to do this or that. Given the prevalence of this word, of this term, especially as Americans, we value this idea of freedom. It's important to understand what exactly we mean by freedom. And of course, trying to define this according to the Judeo-Christian tradition, because it's primarily in that tradition, in that Judeo-Christian culture, that this value of freedom became so important. Our country was founded on Judeo-Christian principles, and so to try and define freedom without having reference to Christian ideas of good and evil and objective morality is really emptying freedom of any meaning. To define freedom as simply the absence of all constraint on your will, so that you might be able to do whatever you want without any reference to good and evil, sets up a situation where, again, we talked about this in the episodes on whether or not there's objective morality and what is natural law. No one actually believes that that's what freedom really is or ought to be. We might think that for our own situation, our own individual pursuits, that we ought to have unfettered ability to do whatever we want. But we really don't think that that kind of freedom should reign over all, that everyone ought to have that. We recognize that there are certain limits and constraints and coercion that should be put on our freedom at some point by just laws. So we need to have a more profound definition of freedom. This idea of freedom as mere license to do whatever one wants has led to many, many evils, especially in our current situation. There are so many things that even a few years ago we would have considered absurd, but now they're considered rights. They're considered an authentic exercise of freedom. The overwhelming majority of people recognize that's not what freedom means. Authentic freedom, if it is a true value, if it's a true good, should not lead to evil consequences. It shouldn't lead to absurd situations. So we need to talk about what the church and the Western tradition in general has considered freedom to be. So first we understand that as persons we have free will. Free will is just a faculty we have as rational beings. We have intellect so that we can recognize a good and our free will allows us to choose this or that, to choose a good or reject a good. Freedom is not synonymous with free will. Freedom is the power to pursue what is good because our intellect is to understand and perceive what is good and our will, properly functioning, should desire that good and pursue it. The ability to will the good that is perceived by the intellect is what freedom is. Free will is just the faculty of choosing or not choosing the good. Freedom as a power, as an ability, is to choose what is good. Keep in mind our discussion of natural law, that episode. We talked about how our natures have certain faculties, and what is morally good is to do what is in line with or what fulfills the proper end of those faculties. So the mind is for perceiving truth, and so we always should be pursuing truth and not falsehood. Our will is for desiring what is perceived as good and true by the intellect. 
And so our will becomes more and more authentic and what it ought to be, the more it desires and chooses the good. This idea of uh, freedom as being the power to choose the good obviously is in line with Christ's words, the truth will set you free. It's the truth that gives freedom because the more you understand what is true and pursue what is true, the more you are freed from the burden of falsehood operating under false understanding. And if you are understanding falsehood and then pursuing it as a false good, then you become burdened by slavery to false goods. That's why St. Paul says, the one who commits sin is a slavery to sin. And I think everyone can understand that on an experiential level. Consider the person who always gives in to base desire, the desire for lesser base goods. They give in to their appetites all the time. That person becomes enslaved to those desires. The person in that situation becomes less and less capable of making a different choice. Compare that to someone who tries to practice virtuous habits, to practice self-denial in the sense of suppressing base desires in favor of virtuous action, to not give in to the body's desires all the time. That person has a very strong will. That person, of course, at any moment is capable of making a different choice and choosing what is evil, but they'll be less likely to do so because they have more command of their will. That person is much more free than the other person. The first example, the person is stuck in a particular set of habits. They cannot make a choice for good unless there's some serious intervention of hitting rock bottom or receiving God's grace. Whereas the person who consistently exercises virtuous habits is always free to give into their desire. They always have that freedom, but they also have the freedom to continue to do good. And that freedom becomes more and more robust. So it's obvious to see the wisdom of scripture there that the truth sets you free, pursuing what is truly good makes your will stronger and gives you a greater freedom, a greater personal freedom to choose. Whereas giving into sin really hinders your freedom. And you might say, well, so what? The person in the first situation, they're doing what they want to do. They're happy in that, even if some people consider it sin or bad. But that's not really true, is it? The alcoholic or the glutton, they're not really happy. In fact, you might apply to them the words of St. Paul. And again, we can all probably relate to this. I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things I do want to do. That's the situation of a person with compromised freedom who has weakened their ability to choose the good. They really do become a slave to things that are lesser goods. They become incapable of choosing greater goods. Consider also the situation of a musician or an athlete. On the one hand, you can have someone that disciplines themselves, sacrifices their free time to always practice and exercise and all of that. So there's a certain amount of unpleasantness. They might want to just sit around, watch TV or sleep more, but they suppress those lesser desires in favor of becoming more adept or expert in their instrument or the sport or whatever. A person who does that becomes much more free in their particular realm a musician who has exercised all of this restraint and self-discipline in order to learn all of the rules and techniques, they become free to be more creative within their art. The most creative musician is probably the one that has practiced the most, learned the rules most thoroughly, and has sacrificed more time and personal comfort. They become free within their art to excel and be, be creative. Same with the athlete. The athlete can be more exciting and interesting and free on the field or on the court or whatever if they've exercised self-discipline in order to learn various 
techniques and the rules and all that. So if we look at the, the contrasting examples of the one who chooses to practice and sacrifice compared to the one who chooses not to do that as much, we not only see that within their particular art or sport or what have you, they are more free to be creative and to excel, but also we see that the one has obviously exercised their freedom better. The one now has something else. They have a talent, they have a human capability that they didn't have before. And that's a, a net good. So exercising authentic freedom always helps the human being flourish. Whereas mere license or giving into base desires, simply choosing a lesser good leads to kind of a, a atrophy of the will and an atrophy of the person. So hopefully that makes it clear that freedom and simply the ability to choose between alternatives are not the same thing. The one who exercises their will consistently to choose what is good at the expense of lesser desires or lesser goods, that is a human being that we all consider a flourishing human being. Even if we say in our individual circumstance, well, I'm just going to choose what's good for me, what makes me happy here and now, even if we do that and live that way, we still recognize that there are certain virtuous people that we look up to. We say, oh, so-and-so is like that. They can do that, but I could never do that. Or, yeah, well, they're a better person than I am. So even in, in the midst of our individualism and our selfishness and wanting to choose what just simply makes us happy here and now, we still recognize that we should aspire to be one who is selfless and has self-discipline and has a stronger command of his or her will. And this recognition often can come in the way of resentment or mockery or despising another saying that, oh, well, you think you're so good, but I'm happy and I'm living my best life and all of that. The person who makes those comments usually doesn't mean them. It's usually usually stems from resentment that they are not able to carry themselves or have the same command of themselves as a person who consistently and habitually acts with virtue. In short, the virtuous person can say to the vicious person, I'm free to do what you do, but you're not free to do what I do. In other words, the virtuous person has real freedom. They actually can choose this or that, whereas the person stuck in vicious habits is not free. And while the dynamic between our freedom and God's grace is one of those theological controversies that it's hard to understand this side of heaven, how our freedom and God's grace work together, discussing freedom in this way kind of makes sense of it. Because if freedom is the ability, the power to choose the good, then obviously the addition of God's grace does not hinder that, but rather empowers the will to choose what is good and therefore to be more free. So God's grace is not a constraint on our freedom, rather it is an enlivening force. Now let's look at uh, what the Catechism of the Church says on this. By free will, one shapes one's own life. Human freedom is a force for growth and maturity in truth and goodness. It attains its perfection when directed toward God, our beatitude. The more one does what is good, the freer one becomes. There is no true freedom except in the service of what is good and just. The choice to disobey and do evil is an abuse of freedom and leads to, quote, the slavery of sin. Freedom makes man responsible for his acts to the extent that they are voluntary. Progress in virtue, knowledge of the good, and ascesis enhance the mastery of the will over its acts. The grace of Christ is not in the slightest way a rival to our freedom when this freedom accords with the sense of the true and the good that God has put in the human heart. On the contrary, as Christian experience attests, especially in prayer, the more docile we are to the promptings of grace, 
the more we grow in inner freedom and confidence during trials, such as those we face in the pressures and constraints of the outer world. By the working of grace, the Holy Spirit educates us in spiritual freedom in order to make us free collaborators in his work in the church and in the world. So that's basically a summary of all the things we've been talking about, that while our culture exalts simply the ability to choose, experience and history attest to the fact that we know we're not really free when we are choosing lesser goods, when we're pursuing false goods. We know we feel enslaved and trapped when we fall into sin, when we habitually sin. And we know by experience at other times and the examples of others that, that we truly are flourishing human beings, that we truly experience happiness on a whole higher level when we restrain our base desires and pursue and choose higher goods. A virtuous farmer with perhaps very little in way of material possessions compared to the Hollywood elite who has all money and power to pursue base desires at their fingertips, we know how those two stories end. The one lives perhaps a quiet but quietly happy and flourishing life, while the other often ends up in total dissolution, depression, and unhappiness. The idea that freedom is the power to do good, and the more we choose good, the more free we are, there's perhaps more evidence of this in world history than of anything else. And on the flip side, the evidence is overwhelming in history that the more we choose base goods, the more it leads to both evil consequences for ourselves and for the world, and also personal unhappiness and slavery to vicious habits. So this has just been a preliminary discussion about what freedom is and how we ought to understand it. It, of course, rests on previous episodes dealing with objective morality and natural law. So I'd go and listen to those if you haven't listened to them already. And also for a more in-depth and thorough discussion of the Catholic understanding of freedom, you ought to read one of the most important encyclicals in recent history by St. John Paul II. It's called Veritatis Splendor, The Splendor of Truth. And that's available online. You can Google that easily. Some parts of it might be a bit dense if you're not familiar with theology, moral theology in particular. But especially the beginning gives a good outline and a good explanation and summary of the nature of freedom, and also there's more in the Catechism than what I read in this episode, so always consult the Catechism too, not only for what it says, but also for references it, it gives to other works that you can use as other sources of knowledge on this topic. Thank you for listening to Catholic Daily Brief. Please become a member at patreon.com slash catholicdailybrief. Also follow on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and give a five-star rating and a good review. God bless.